I can't think of a better set of readings for Alexander, our soon-to-be-baptized guy, to have heard on his day of baptism. Because when you put those readings together, it lays out an extraordinary vision of what our faith is supposed to bring us. And if five weeks ago, when this church was packed to overflowing with folks who maybe only come once or twice a year, if they actually believed what our readings say, they'd be here every week. And we'd be here maybe in a different frame of mind. Think of that second reading, that picture of a new Jerusalem, that sense that everything will be somehow transformed. What if we really believed that every tear would be wiped from our eye? Not naively, we know there's struggles in life, those don't go away, but any sense of despair or hopelessness come through when there's struggles, a sense of really having a kind of inner peace. But I want to say, if Alexander were a really discerning little guy, he could complain that he wasn't getting his money's worth. And here's why. I don't know, some of you had the little missile out when you were looking at it. It's on page 102, you don't have to pull it out. But the gospel that I just read was from the 13th chapter of John. And they always say up at top what verses you're reading. So I just read chapter 13, verses 31 to 33a, and then 34 to 35. What's with 33a? Well, when verses are long, they chop them in two pieces. The first half is A, the second half is B. So what you just heard was 31 to 33a. Then we jump to 34 to 35. What's up with 34b? What happened to 34b? Here's the long version and the short version. Was this the parental discretion advised version? What could be so bad in verse 34b? Well, I'll tell you where the break is. You know, it's this beautiful passage, Jesus talking about love. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. That's the end of 33a. And then 34, I give you a new commandment, love one another. Well, 34b comes right after, I will be with you only a little while longer. And then he says, and where I am going, you cannot come with me. Where I am going, you cannot come with me. He's talking about going to the cross and dying. And we know how that all turns out. So we tend to jump ahead to love one another as I have loved you. That's the great message of Christianity. But they didn't know that. All that they knew was that this extraordinary person, this friend to whom they had attached their lives was telling them, I'm going and you can't come with me. And if you picked up your Bible and you just read on a couple of verses, you'd see that whole thing about love one another would have gone right over their heads because all they do is wrestle with Jesus about the meaning of we can't go with you. And they say, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We want to be with you. And Peter says, I will never leave your side. It's when Jesus predicts that he'll deny him. What I'm getting at here is that the church knows. I wish they'd kept that verse in, but knows that the struggle all of us, I think, face at different times is that fear of being left alone, that fear that maybe what we say should be the central part of our lives at the end of the day can't actually speak to the fears that we have or the struggles that we face or the despair sometimes that's on the horizon. And all those people who were here for Easter Mass, 
I think they don't come back because for them there is no connection. There's no real connection between what they wake up on the Monday after Easter in their hearts or their minds being concerned about for themselves or their families and all this wonderful language they've heard all their Christian lives. And what the church is saying is the connection between that fear of having our faith be irrelevant and having it mean everything in our lives is that recognition of saying, if you want to meet that fear, then you've got to love. You've got to love into the fear. You've got to love into the uncertainty. But this isn't just some empty love one another because that's a nice thing to do. Jesus in the same gospel has told us what his love looks like. Love one another as I have loved you. And he's defined what that love is. He said, no greater love has a man for another than to lay down his life. And so that sense of self-sacrificial love, that ability to say, I'm willing to put myself on the line, even though I don't know how it's going to turn out, even though I don't know if you'll appreciate the action. So just an encouragement for all of us to ask yourself with brutal honesty, where is there a fear, perhaps, of being abandoned by our faith? Where do we sometimes at least implicitly seem to hear where I'm going, you can't go. When there's nothing more that we desire in our hearts than that we would be met, that we would be accompanied. And Jesus is simply saying, I know that the fear is there, so love the way that I love. In that relationship that you're afraid to face again, in that decision maybe that you're racked with guilt about or shame at different times, when you know the right thing that you should do, but there's a fear that it might not be well received, to simply pray for the grace and the courage to love in a self-sacrificing way. I really believe that if every one of us could see that and recognize what comes of it, then we wouldn't have the fear. And the church wouldn't need to take out its scissors and say, I better take this part out because it's probably going to be too much for you.